You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast here on this Friday, December 11th, 2020. On the show today, a few potential Nationals targets. We've got some news about DJ LeMayhew and Chris Bryant, kind of their status, a couple notes on George Springer. Also, too, an interesting article came out today from Mark Zuckerman over at Masson. He discussed, really, how few players are left from that 2019 World Series championship team on the Nationals relative to what you'd expect and relative to, to how much time has passed since the World Series. So we'll talk about that and kind of make some predictions to see, will anything happen this weekend in free agency? All right, let's get to it here on this Friday edition of the Locked On Nationals podcast. So first thing is first here, let's talk a little bit of Chris Bryant news. Not a ton on, you know, in terms of movement, no trade obviously at this point in time, but um, this comes from Gordon Wittenmeyer, at the uh, from NBC Sports Chicago, and he talked to Jed Hoyer, who's now kind of the GM and president of baseball operations, over with the Cubs. And Jed Hoyer said, "quote I don't think it should be treated as a fait accompli that a trade is going to happen." So essentially, he doesn't think that people should be considering Bryant as good as gone. Although people kind of have been, um, you know, there's there's obviously this talk around the Cubs that one of the two. Bryant or Javi Baez is going to be out the door. And once again, we've seen the Nationals names, uh, their, their name, you know, very much involved with trade talks. Um, and this is also part uh, of some news and notes that is coming from MLB trade rumors. And they are saying, uh, you know, Hoyer expects him to be back in his normal form in the 2020 season. The Cubs will be selling low on Bryant in a deal as a result of his adverse year and is, pro- is projected uh, $18.6 million for his salary, uh, arbitration salary for 2021. And it's also the final season of team control. So obviously, you know, it's one of those uh, situations where you're trading somebody on an expiring contract and uh, you're you're in a bad spot uh, for leverage, right? That might be why the Cubs don't want to let him go is that, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's challenging to part with those players, right? When you got somebody under contract, especially players who've been there for that long, it, you see this in all sports. It's a, it's really challenging to let them go. Um, you know, a part of the you know, MVP, part of a World Series winning team, and the fact that they do have to let him go is gonna be is gonna be gutting, I think, for a lot of fans. But the actual transaction itself is going to be one that's hard to decide. Uh, you know, or decide how do we, um, you know, parse kind of his bad season with what he's done in the past and what he means to the franchise and what kind of return they want. Those are all questions that have to be answered. Uh, and, you know, I think teams have been careful this offseason. And I think teams, when they are approaching the Cubs for a trade and Chris Bryant, are going to be careful and not try to give up too much for Bryant's services when Bryant, in the end of the day, could be back on the market here. And if it's a team, you know, it's in a pretty desirable place, he could be back on the market and could sign with you, right? And we talked about this, you know, a while ago. Why would the Nationals give up prospects for Chris Bryant uh, when, you know, the, what the Nats want is protection 
if they could go and just get it anyway in free agency and didn't have to pay for it, right? For the Nats, it's not as, you know, the third base is not a great spot for them right now, but that's almost, you know, it's almost secondary, right? Like, that doesn't even matter in some respects. All that matters is getting that protection in the lineup, adding another bat into the lineup for, you know, to, to put around Turner and Soto and strengthen that front end because we know that God knows they needed it last year, uh, you know, with the struggles that Victor Robles and Adam Eaton had. But, you know, why would you trade to go get that guy when you could just go out and get it free agency? And I think the Cubs are in a difficult spot right now. Maybe in the middle of the season, they could trade him to a team that could re-sign him. I, I could see that as a possibility, right? That makes more sense. You'd have higher leverage. But right now, when there's a market of bats out there and Bryant's coming off the season that he just came off of, his value is lower. So the Cubs might be better off sitting on Chris Bryant right now, in my opinion, at least, um, you know, until maybe he gives them more right during the during the regular season. I mean, I think at this point in time, if he plays poorly, like the value is not going to crater, right? The, the biggest drop in value has already occurred. You know, prime Chris Bryant to where he's at now is a bigger jump than whatever bad stuff could happen this season. Um, you've already kind of taken that biggest jump. Yeah, would, would another smaller jump and, you know, possible return um, upset you uh, if you're the Cubs? Yes, 110% it would. But I think almost they're in a spot now where I don't know how good of a package they're going to get. I'm not sure who's willing to front that when there is, it is a buyer's market right now in free agency. Maybe not third base, but just in general, you know, and t- in terms of going, you know, going and getting guys for decent prices, it is a buyer's market. Uh, also, something too on the Cubs: the Cubs have had a uh, not had substantive conversations regarding a new deal with uh, left-hander John Lester. Neither side has closed the door on staying together, um, but they don't know. This is according to Bruce Leving. Uh, at 670, the score. But, yeah, I don't know if they're going to bring him back uh, this season at, at that price range. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have some news on DJ LeMayhew. Brian Cashman did an interview and talked about LeMayhew a little bit, that free agent second baseman who finished third in the AL MVP voting. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best protein out there right now. It is delicious. It is good for you. Uh, You know, in any kind of setting, you know, whether it be after a workout or after a meal, Built Bar is the way to go. They've got nut-free flavors like coconut, uh, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, orange, raspberry, cherry bar chia, caramel brownie, and cookies and cream. They've got flavors with nuts like maple pecan, peanut butter, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, carrot cake with walnuts, German chocolate cake, toffee almond, banana nut bread, lemon almond cheesecake, and apple almond crisp. They also have several other uh, workout-related things like Built Go. You guys can go check those out right now on their website. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use a promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, for 20% off on your next order. And you also have a chance to win a free cooler as well with your purchase while supplies last. Once again, BuiltBar.com. Promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. One more thing, guys, too, we want to mention before we get back to the show uh, upcoming shows for next week. And I told you guys we'd be doing our Nats draft next week. Uh, we're also going to talk to Matt Weyrich. He uh, works for the uh, works for NBC Sports Washington. He will be 
on the show Monday. He covers a variety of teams for NBC Sports Washington. He is a Virginia guy, so that conversation should be a good one. And then we'll have, obviously, our Nats draft we've been talking about coming up next week, barring there being uh, you know, a lack of free agency news in baseball. Well, well, if there is a lack of free agency news, we'll do the draft. If there is news, we will definitely 100% talk about that. All right, back to the rest of the show. Okay, so another Nationals potential target, you know, they were going after DJ LeMahieu, this guy was mentioned, and uh, for the Yankees, they're obviously in a state where this is a guy that they want to re-sign. Brian Cashman did an interview with uh, with Yes Network, Meredith Marikovitz over there at Yes Network, and talked about LeMahieu. Obviously, the wording was really... There's mutual interest on both sides, and I believe that. If Luke Voigt is to be believed, you know, he said, I put money on DJ LeMahieu resigning with the Yankees. Um, I would, too. I mean, I think it's, you know, if you were supposed to do the percentages, I would say they're a bit above 50, like a little bit above 50. So, you know, and he talked very in very vague terms, Brian Cashman did, saying, you know, it's about the other offers on the table. Uh, you know, he's reviewed, you know, only DJ, his family and his agent know what they've been offered. Obviously, they would like him there. One thing I thought was interesting was that they he did mention Glaber Torres and saying, look, I think Glaber Torres is better at shortstop or at second base rather than shortstop. So that is kind of showing that, you know, he does believe in some kind of contingency plan. And Glaber Torres is a great contingency plan to have. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's some established, you know, bona fide superstar at this point in time, but obviously we've seen what he can do in the past and pretty young guy still, uh, Glaber Torres. So, you know, I think that's a good contingency plan to have, right? Um, I think that they're in a spot where they don't want to give up too much for LeMahieu because they can allow him to walk. I mean, without DJ LeMahieu, if this team is still healthy, which obviously is the challenge for many teams and is the challenge for the Yankees. They're in a great spot, but I think it's about that five years, right? Uh, I think some of these top guys are looking for that financial security. And look, it looks like a guy like James McCann might get that financial security from the A's or the, the Mets, most likely. But yeah, these notes on you know not much else on Lemayhew here, but I do think it was interesting that uh, that Brian Cashman brought that up. And look, you guys have heard me; I've said it several times. DJ Lemayhew is the fit that I like the most. Allows you to move Stalin Castro over to third base. You can put LeMahieu at second. Garcia's not pressure being the first, you know, the everyday guy. Kibum can get some reps at third, but Castro can be your everyday guy. Um, you know, I think that's th- this team maximizing their talent, right? Maximizing what they can be is Stalin Castro at, at third and somebody else who's a good bat in the lineup at second. Uh, I think that's kind of the way it goes, or unless you go and get Chris Bryant at third and you, you keep Castro at second. But, you know, I, I do kind of like this idea of getting LeMahieu, so that's some interesting news right there. Some other news uh, in terms of competitors, the Philadelphia Phillies have hi- have hired Dave Dombrowski as their general manager. That was obviously one of the spots that had to be filled uh, in terms of GM, one of two spots in the National League East this season. Dombrowski is 64. Obviously, he's well known for his time with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, it's kind of most notable Dave Dombrowski's stint in the major leagues. He oversaw, um, you know, two world championships, right, uh, 1997 and 2018, right? He spent time with the White Sox, uh, Expos, Marlins, Tigers, Red Sox, and now the Philadelphia Phillies. And once again, his first championship, that was with the Marlins, and then uh, the Red Sox, he was there from 15 until 19. So uh, Dombrowski 
uh, you know, well known for that. I guess it did more like his Red Sox run was what he's more well known for. Not longtime Red Sox guy, but uh, most well known for that run and a great run with the Tigers too, which was his longest stint. But um, nonetheless, you know, I think it's an interesting decision. Obviously, here's the thing about hiring guys like this. You know, Dombrowski is great when you kind of give him the. All, a lot of these guys are great when you give them the ability to go out and spend. Right. When you give these guys the ability to go out and spend not the blank check, but, you know, to take some risks and go out there and, uh, you know, go spend some money. I and mean, these guys do a pretty good job. The issue is when when they're when you're hamstrung, it gets a bit more challenging. Right. I mean, Sandy Alderson's a great example a guy for years. Right. For years, Sandy Alderson had the, had the, the, um, you know, the kind of the handcuffs on and uh, did the best he could. And you know, a lot of the flack falls on guys like that. The Phillies are in a financial bind by all indications. So I don't really know, you know, if hiring Dave Dombrowski is going to make things any easier for them. Um, I think their situation is kind of what it is at this point, right? Like they're in a spot where they're in a spot where, I mean, if, if the finance is that bad, we got to trade Zach Wheeler. And if you trade Zach Wheeler and just to make room for JT Real Muto, like the, the finances there are dire. It is, it is a bad, bad situation um, for the Philadelphia Phillies. So I think we got to consider that, like, it might be a good hire, but really the, the limitations and, and I think a lot of it, you know, is going to come down to obviously scouting is really important too. But I think in the immediate, the short term for the Phillies, a lot of it's going to come down to what the actual realities of their financial situation um, is. All right, a couple more notes before we get out of here. First thing is if I had to make a prediction, you said, Josh, tell me if you think one move happens this weekend, what is it? I think James McCann signs and I do think he signs with the New York Mets. So if you said if there's one move you know, most likely to happen, that's it. Do I expect it to happen? No. Uh, knowing how the world works, I'll publish this podcast and the uh, signing will happen. Probably the Nats will sign somebody once I publish this podcast. Um, no, I'm kidding. But, you know, that, that's kind of how things have been. So if you had to tell you say, hey, Josh, what's one movie that gets done this weekend? Uh, I would say that would be my kind of leader in the clubhouse. All right. Final note. Mark Zuckerman article on Mass, and you guys know I kind of love using his articles as fun talking points for conversations, but you know, he made a good note. This is from, actually today he published it, uh, 2019 Nats roster could be a distant memory come 2021. And he mentions that, you know, there's 11 players out of the 25 left, so less than half, obviously, basically uh, only about a third, right, left, uh, you know, quick mass there. Uh, yeah, but only basically a third left. Out of those, only four position players, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Victor Robles, Jan Gomes. The other seven are pitchers, so Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Joe Ross, Daniel Hudson, Tanner Rainey, and Wander Suero. So, uh, you know, and mentioned that it feels like a lot of turnover. There is a chance they could bring back guys like Ryan Zerman, Howie Kendrick, Kurt Suzuki, Estrubal Cabrera, Sean Doolittle, or Javi Guerra. And I think they might bring back one or two of those guys. You know, we talked about Zimmerman and Kendrick, but... You know, it also kind of makes you reflect, right? This is not really a take here, guys. I'm just kind of reflecting back on that 2019 season, 2019 team. You know, you think about the Cubs when they won, right? And we, we discussed dynasty. Are the Cubs about to become a team that can win three or four championships in the next 12 years? And the answer was no. The Nationals 2019 team did not feel like that at all. It was one of those teams that you said, okay, with the amount of veteran players they have and timely play from young guys, it felt like a group that was going to be together and it was kind of going to be not a one-hit wonder, but that iteration of the Nationals team, that was going to be it, right? That was that you know, that, that team. They're not going to bring back that entire group for uh, for one more run. And much of that group, look, was back last season. 
Uh, part of it was not due to opt-outs, injuries, you know, what have you. But as far as this conversation goes, you know, th this group is not the same. And look, next year's group could be a far cry from that. What the Nationals were is one of those teams where, look, you, you're going to have to, I mean, you know, not losing all parts of the championship group, right? It's, it's, this is not uh, the 20, 2019 LSU Tigers National Championship season where they lost uh, two coordinators and a quarterback. Uh, you know, it wasn't one of those situations, right? But what this is, is a situation where, like we saw this year, it's going to take some retooling. They're not too far away, right? They're not in too bad of a spot. But they're in a spot where, you know, they've got some of the some of the key pieces and they're going to have to build around that like we've been talking about. So it's funny to see the attrition, the, or rather the atrophy from that roster as you move on through time. But still, some of the pillars of that championship team, it feels like are going to be there for a, you know, a, like I think Zimmerman's coming back next year, right? Uh, I would be surprised how Kendrick wants to play next year. I think it's going to be for the Nationals. Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin all back for next year. Uh, Corbin and Strasburg under contract for longer. Joe Ross back next year. And obviously with the, with the position players, Turner and Soto are going to be here for a while. Uh, Robles should be here for a while. Jan Gomes is going to be there at least for next year too. So, you know, in 2021, I mean, in 2022, yeah, you have a chance for much more atrophy, but I, I don't think it's going to be a whole heck of a lot. So just something kind of, you know, to think about with uh, what kind of championship team, you know, the Nationals were in 20, 2019. Was it the dynasty? No, it was not the start of a dynasty. It was a great group at the right time, but also a group that's got, still got, you know, the young parts of it and a chance to retool and become a different group and still be a championship team. Uh, and, you know, it's almost, if they won two in three years, the, the term dynasty would be used, but it's almost like when you lose half a team, it's almost like a different team won, right? You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like, you know, it's it would almost feel as if it's, a, if it's a different group, even though it's same manager, same coach, as much as it could under those circumstances, same manager, same coach, same manager, same GM, and a lot of the same guys, you know, if they're going to win a championship, they got to bring in some more pieces. So that part of it would make it feel like kind of a different group, uh, especially because, you know, it looks like over half that team is not going to be back with the Nats, uh, at least into 2021. All right. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for listening to the show. As always, once again, review the show, uh, subscribe, the whole nine yards. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And until Monday, stay safe, everybody.